Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. I'm Zach Shevich. And it's time to... I, I forgot about it. <laughs> Hello out there, party people. My name is Ansel Birch, your host in post, and it's time to party. This bloopers episode features Ben Silverio and special guest Zach Shevich. Over the course of our recording session, there were plenty of opportunities for them to make mistakes, goof around, and tell stories that didn't really fit into the rest of the podcast. And all of those pieces have found their home here in this blooper episode for your amusement. We are not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly and enjoy time to party. It's funny because I've been using like GarageBand on some form of Mac yeah. laptop for how many years now? And I still am like, am I doing this right? Are things recording? Uh, I, I think that's just the experience with GarageBand, though, yeah, like I don't, th- I don't know if GarageBand is a masterable piece of software. But even when we were using those Zoom recorders, yeah, you know, like remember what happened with Chris Hardwick? Yeah. Like, in the long run, it's fine that we don't have a good record of that because no one needs to hear Chris Hardwick anymore. <laughs> but you know, at the time, I was kind of distraught about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that's the thing about audio. It's like, I feel like. It's so subject to little finicky disruptions and things that just like make the whole project. And that's just the sound engineer. Exactly. <laughs> um, I huh. want to like make fun of Ben Wong and Rich Hamilton, but like they don't listen to this. <laughs> exactly right. So, like it's it's references to to people that are unknown to the greater public. It's unfortunately. true. Unfortunately, unfortunately, because Ben Wong yeah. does a great job at what he does, yeah. and so does Rich Hamilton. But like. Fucking talking talking about people that are moving back to Philly. Rich was living in Austin with his oh. wife, and they decided to move back to Philly. Oh. But she was like a traveling nurse for a little oh. while or something. She used to be filming video and then switched to nursing. I, I've seen that happen multiple times from like people that we went to school with. Yeah. Someone was in entertainment management, and they switched to nursing. And I'm just like, oh, cool. You'd rather have someone die on you than work on a film set? What's that saying about our industry? I mean, yeah. It, a lot of people are getting into nursing. I feel like I know a lot. That's, it seems to be like a... They, they always need good nurses. That's true. And and you don't always need more frustrated writers. Right. Yeah, because they always mistreat nurses. <laughs> uh, especially now. Yeah, of all times. <laughs> Oh, it's true. Um, Do you want to ask your producer, because he's, I'm assuming, the one that's putting the... Yes. What he thinks about the audio. He said it should be fine when I asked him about it earlier. It, recording in the same room? Yes. Okay. He, he was the one who said, as long as you're not talking over each other, it should oh, be fine. okay. Yeah. So we will try extra hard to, like... Right give ourselves our radio space exactly but we're trained at this we are we, we <laughs> Technically, actually we have training yeah you and i have more experience talking for a recorded medium together than most people have experience at things together than most people have had relationships yeah yes yes like longer than some relationships that we've seen yes our our bullshitting about movies relationship is longer than most people's marriages and all we wanted to do was see movies for free <laughs> exactly that's kind of how it exactly started, right? it was all a con ian and abrams was like why don't you guys do this as a thing 
Yeah. <laughs> and and now we're attempting to make it a career, unfortunately. Yeah, right? Yeah. God, I wish I could, like, have easier access to Professor Abrams. You know? Because, yeah. like, I'd love to check in with him and see yeah how he's he, doing i kind of my roommate loves early edition really yeah so i was ta- i was thinking about abrams recently and i was just like i wonder if i drop by crossings if he'll be in his office and i can just be like hey can you sign this i feel like if he had a shred more fame he'd make a killing on cameo i feel like he'd be like excellent he'd be at so good at cameo delivering snarky messages <laughs> for 25 bucks a pop yes yeah Speaking of our professors, you know, George Went remembers Bruce Graham. Really? Yeah. Because I'm the asshole who walks up to George Went in a horror convention and asks him about a fucking play he did by by Bruce Graham. Of course. You know? Yeah. That, I mean, that's on the tip of every George Went fan's tongue. I felt like that episode of Frasier, when Frasier and Niles uh, go up to this, like, actor from mm-hmm. the Star Trek-esque uh, show that they watched when they were younger... Uh, who also did Shakespeare. And they were like, oh, we need to put on a play with this guy in it. Yeah. Because he's such a good actor. And they were only talking to him about like Shakespeare and stuff instead of the sci-fi thing at the convention they found him at. Here's here's my... I'm, I'm going to give you a gift because you do more interviews than I do. Now. But like the thing that... When I watch interviews with famous people, and uh-huh. you, you speak to some famous people. I do, apparently. The thing that I always think when I'm watching an interview with famous people that I want to know is like, you know, like you're watching an interview with Keanu Reeves and like, obviously everybody recognizes him from John Wick and everybody sure. recognizes him from Bill and Ted and everybody recognizes him from the matrix. And I always want to ask him, what's the last re- time that somebody referenced something that caught you up guard? That, like, that's a great why question. did you remember that? That is a great question. Right. I like that's, that nobody is going to answer that question poorly. It's true. Yeah. So oh, that's my gift to you for the years of friendship. Question. You're welcome. Oh my God. Sometimes really random stuff comes up in interviews. Like, uh, I was wearing a shirt from East West Players in L.A. It says, uh, it's an honor just to be Asian. And it's a quote from Sandra Oh. Mm. And I was wearing it to my John Cho interview. And he was just like, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm also Asian. And I'm like, I had not noticed. Wow. Yeah, it's a good thing you turned on your camera. (laughs) Since Ansel's not here... And he's listening to this in the future right now. Uh, we can kind of do what we used to do. Um, take a hit each time. Oh, man. Was I drinking when I wrote this? <laughs> you just wrote nonsense? No, I actually wrote take a hit each time the ketchup is brought out. But that's that's not what this rule is. You're, you're going to cut this part out, Ansel. Um, so I'm going to change it. What movie right now makes you roll your eyes the most when you see ads and previews oh, and stuff? I don't know if you're going to like this answer, but I, I hope... Maybe you do, because you just trash DC. But Black Adam is the one that I'm like... And yeah, maybe because you got that Rock Allegiance too. I love The Rock, but, the, but Black Adam is a Shazam villain. He doesn't need to be introduced as an anti-hero right away. That's the other thing I don't like is this whole, like, we're going to introduce the villains as heroes, but they're villains thing. Like, what, what's going on there? Yeah, you know, uh, when, um, what's his name, who did Suicide Squad? 
David Ayer? Yeah. You know, I think David Ayer was the the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because he his film was looking to to make these villains cool mm-hmm. and relatable. And not all villains need to be cool and relatable. Yeah. If you want to make Venom cool and relatable, I can see that. You know, like, because there are certain elements of that character that have that aspect to them. Mm-hmm. But half of the Suicide Squad kills children. Right. So it's not like James Gunn uh, was trying to reinvent the wheel there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of had to after what Ayer did. But, you know, he wasn't afraid to show off the gruesomeness of these villains and what they can really do. Uh, but Ayer, to me, it felt like he was above all of that. And he, he could do something high art, you know, right. just he's by putting... A statement. He's making a statement by putting tattoos on the Joker's face. <laughs> Damaged. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talk about terrible production design. Yeah. But sometimes villains are villains for a reason fuck you um todd phillips like <laughs> fuck you so hard for that bullshit movie you're, you're not excited for joker 2 the what musical do a folly or whatever whatever french bullshit he put oh at the end of the title God. you know me i love musicals yeah and lady gaga is cool very cool but like why i like walking phoenix too Joaquin Phoenix acted the hell out of that role, yeah. but the script was terrible. Yeah. The directing was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the Joker in case you, you don't. remember when people were like, oh, people are going to riot after they see Joker. <laughs> that, was a weird, that was a weird moment in film Twitter. Yeah, right? Ugh, people are nuts. Yeah. It's wild. Like, the fact that people on film Twitter or entertainment Twitter in general caused uh constance Wu to like mm. contemplate suicide because of a statement that she made about a project that and i mean granted the statement she made wasn't exactly the best because it was the show that she was like making famous and made her famous and all that stuff mm. but everybody makes mistakes yeah and i'm not gonna come after her so hard that she you know she said that people were saying that she was an embarrassment to her culture. Yeah. She said, like, another actress reached out to her and said that. I, that it's fucking wild. Yeah. Film and entertainment Twitter is fucking wild. Yeah. It's not that serious. It's not that serious. And Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes is a great example yeah. of of something in our art form being not serious yeah. and so fun. They, they cause a time paradox and nothing really happens. It's not that serious. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, granted, the movies where huge paradoxes happen, like, I mean, Umbrella Academy can yeah. be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, except for the, the bits that aren't, but, you know, like, it's... <laughs> I, I love a time travel movie that has consequences. Mm. The time travel movie or TV show that has consequences because, like, for a while, that's why I liked The Flash. Mm-hmm. He was a terrible time traveler, and you would see the results of that um, until, you know, it pulled an arrow and went on for way too long. But, you know, I guess the Arrowverse is ending now anyway, because the CW is, like, getting sold or whatever. Yeah. It's complicated. Well, I mean, we don't need to get into Netflix politics, but Netflix needs some brands. Especially after what they did to their animation wing. Yeah. Like... How could they do that after all of the top-notch animation that they released? Um, I haven't seen it yet, but the one about 
the the Mitchells. Oh, Mitchells versus the Machines. That's, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and there although was, I think technically Sony did that and they bought it, uh, but they just did one recently, the Sea Beast. I don't know if you caught that one. I haven't seen it yet, but it's I've heard good things. It's Really good. Like, there's some really awesome shots in there where it's like it's almost like a kaiju movie where they do the, where the people are tiny and the beast is large and it's just like the epic scale of it is really cool. Mm. I also dug like I think a lot of times in especially like family adventure stuff they're like they, they try to be like oh this is dangerous and you know they're going to be fine the whole time and I actually kind of felt like a sense of danger with the sea beast which was interesting cool. yeah. who's starring in that Carl Urban oh he plays the big viking dude yeah yeah okay then, uh, Jared Harris is a big voice in it uh, another guy who is a name you would know but I forgot about it is also in it there's so many Netflix animation projects that are just fun, mm-hmm. and then they just abandon that whole wing of their their enterprise. Tuka Birdie, and Birdie's thriving on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Are they getting another season? They're in their third season right now. Okay. Yeah, after Netflix canceled it. When I found time. out who the leads were, I was like, oh, now I'm interested in this mm-hmm. show. <laughs> well, and it's also uh, created by Lisa Hannibal, who did all the art for BoJack Horseman. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean that makes sense. I can see that in the art style. Yeah. I still haven't seen BoJack Horseman. It's so, good, it's so speaking of Netflix animation, that 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 is like a top five, maybe top three show for me. You're not the first person that I've heard say yeah. that. And you, you know I watch good TV. Yeah, it's fucking wild that this <laughs> show about the horse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there's no better show about like depression and self-loathing out there. Wow. It's about a talking horse. So. Um, hey. Um. Did you like Bo Burnham's Inside? Inside? Yeah, it was amazing. How fucking wild was that shit? Did you watch the the anniversary shit that he put out? Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Um, <sighs> I mean, like, yeah, it, it's so it's so good. Um, it's incredible that he has evolved into this like multi uh, multi talented artist because it's more than just like it's more than songs and uh, jokes, right? Like, it's it's really performance and uh, the production design of it too, like it's just like white woman's Instagram doesn't work Ugh. if he doesn't like do, I was, in, do those aesthetics better than most people on Instagram. I was just gonna bring up that song in particular right. because like his content has managed to evolve to have such heart, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it hits you right in the feels yeah. when you get to the punchline of white woman's Instagram, yeah. and I'm just like fuck. Yeah, art, I feel like Art is Dead was really a turning point in his career, and he real like when he wrote that song, he realized like, oh, this is like actually the direction that my stuff needs to go in, and this is more than just like me making funny songs. Yeah, he's he can, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what you if you saw or felt any way about Eighth Grade, but I also thought that was like the best movie. I saw. It was so movie. good. Yeah. Like I saw that some schools were requiring students to watch really? it. That's awesome. Or encouraging their students to watch it at least because Damn. it's a very realistic and authentic portrayal of that stuff i had a, I have a, had a niece going into eighth grade when that movie was coming out and i was like please watch this movie please like you will relate so hard please and she's like nah nah, nah. she's she's into the hunger games nah uh i tried to show my nieces uh a goofy movie yeah. and they were like goofy has his own movie <laughs> goofy as a kid and i'm just like please just watch it this yeah. is such a good movie you're gonna fucking love it and i mean i didn't say fuck to these little kids but <laughs> you wanted to i wanted to uh but they wouldn't give it the time of day yeah. and they're just like can we watch moana and i'm like okay fine 
because Moana's great too. Yeah. Um, you should just be happy they're watching movies and not TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say my one frustration with a lot of that right now is like I feel like they keep. Here comes the killjoy. No, no, no. But it's just like I feel like they keep introducing people and it's like all right i'll see you in 2025 <laughs> like when is when is when are we getting the next harry styles appearance in the mcu you know what i mean um how, I, how long do i have to wait before like we know what the fuck is up with that charlie's Theron character there, i just there's a there's a lot of like oh oh the interesting stuff is over there okay i'll see you i'll see you soon <laughs> But, like, that's part of the fun of comics, yeah. right? Like, that's why I love the MCU. Because, like, they've managed to take comic book storytelling and adapt it to a different medium in a way that's fun, interesting, and, like, it makes people excited. Mm -hmm. And the people who don't get excited for it are just like, bro, do you hate fun? <laughs> like, just enjoy it, man. Like, these are the types of things that I was craving as a child. Mm. You know, like, w when I would, like, make my own, like, movies with my action figures telling mm. a different story. Because, like, I love a crossover. Mm. And now we're finally at a point in the MCU where crossovers make sense. In, mm. in big, giant ways. With big budgets. Sure, sometimes they're not utilizing the volume in good ways. But, like... It's new technology, right? Yeah. Not everyone is the Mandalorian. Yeah. Like, some people were complaining about uh, the VFX for Thor mm. and how the how Taika's use of the volume didn't shine through as well as on the Mandalorian. Mm. And I'm just like, it, suspend disbelief? Like, I don't know what to tell you, dude, if you're paying that much attention. I don't know. I think it's fun having an interconnected yeah, I mean, look, I, I universe get, with TV and films. I, I get how it's like a dream come true. It's just like, I, I, it's a lot. It's a lot to watch. It, the thing that bothers me is that people look at it like it's the only thing. And it's yeah. clearly not the only thing. Like, we've just been talking about this little movie from Japan, mm. you know, and it's out there for people to see. Just if you don't want to consume the media that the mainstream is giving you there's other shit out there yeah. back in the day i didn't want to listen to uh boy bands or britney spears mostly because of peer pressure but like mm. i was exposed to like punk and pop punk and emo music you know because i i i looked other places you don't have to just take what's right in front of you right yeah. that that's that's why I, I can't stand these people who are like how dare they not give my favorite show a fifth season? It's like we we struggled to get our se our shows past season one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it's definitely not like back in the day with uh, Cheers getting eleven seasons. Yeah, or, yeah. Or even Scrubs getting that terrible ninth season. <laughs> like, TV is different now, mm -hmm. you know. And like, sure, that could be because of big studios making TV shows now, but, like, that's just how it is, right? Yeah. There we go. I couldn't remember how, how it started. <laughs> because initially I was going to start singing The Gambler mm. by Kenny Rogers, and I'm like, that's not the same song. Yeah, it's not. But 
important lessons. And also the title of a movie. It is? Yeah. Is it? With Mark Wahlberg, and I believe that's a remake of something. But Does Mark Wahlberg play Kenny Rogers? No, nah, he plays the gambler. <laughs> yeah, so Kenny Rogers. Well, I, mean, I don't think it's based on the Kenny Rogers song. But it should be. He's, maybe the Kenny Rogers song is for the original movie. I think, I think uh, what's the dude who, James Caan was in the original movie. Mm. Yeah. James Caan is someone who would know when to hold him and know when to fold him. Yeah. And when to walk away. And so look up whether or not this song was written for the movie. And then don't tell anybody. But just just so you know. Ah. Oh, well, now I know. And I really want to tell you. So instead, I'm going to tell you that uh, I found out that there are a lot of movies that seem like they could be related to this song. And they're not. Uh, but one of them was a 2013 film called A Gambling Man. Uh, which was a, th- a short uh, starring some people I've never heard of, but directed by Ansel Farage, uh, which I only want to bring up because it's so rare that I run into other people with my same first name. Uh, but if you do search up The Gambler by uh, Kenny Rogers, don't worry, you'll get the answer really fast. Wikipedia even will we'll get you the answer really fast. Good luck out there. Oh my God. Songs written for movies like... It's wild, some of these. One of my favorite ones is The Prayer by Andrea Bocelli and Celine Dion. Yeah, things that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, uh, Mm. like that movie, or that song, was written for Quest for Camelot. (laughs) uh, An animated movie that was basically a retelling of Arthurian lore. Um, But I recently came across this fun fact when I was going through my streaming services and looking for something to watch. And I ended up watching Night Shift, which was a 1982 comedy by Ron Howard, starring Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton. Wow. Michael Keaton in his first starring role. Wow. And the female lead, Shelley Long. Naturally. She plays a sex worker. (laughs) And Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton work in a morgue. And they somehow end up with an escort business. But... That's what does. Like, this is all fucking wild, right? Like, for people who've never heard of this movie, I'm sure this is wildly insane. But this fact is my favorite thing about this movie. Do you know the song, That's What Friends Are For? By Rod Stewart. Of course. So Burt Bacharach wrote that song for this movie. Really? Yes. Huh. <laughs> Isn't that fucking nuts? That's very random. I talk about this whenever I remember <laughs> it and it comes up in conversation. This is it's, your party fact? It, I mean, it's one of them. Just like how <laughs> Pac-Man was originally named Puck-Man. That one I knew. Yeah, because we've both seen Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> there was a documentary at the 2022 South by Southwest Film Festival. That I did not see. Okay. But it's called Self-Portrait. And it is a portrait made entirely out of surveillance footage. Oh? Yeah. Um, So I thought that was interesting and maybe tangentially related. And if you've ever seen the film In the Same Breath, that's a film about early COVID outbreaks in China. And there's this unreal sequence where the director, Nanfu Wang, basically like charts the outbreak in covid through 
the security camera footage from outside the pharmacy closest to where they think the outbreak happened. Insane. Yeah. A lot of cool ways to use security camera footage for films. It's true. It feels like beyond the infinite two minutes and the micro genre that it's part of, Mm -hmm. um, which is characterized by low budget one shot Japanese films. Mm. It seems like that's a response to the pandemic, Mm. you know, like uh, it not only is it limiting releases, but it's limiting how film sets are run Mm -hmm. and, you know, the things that you have to do to keep things safe. You talk about Shudder. Full disclosure, my friend is in this movie. But um, I thought it was a very good movie. It's called Revealer. It's about a stripper and a pro-life protester who gets stuck in a peep show booth uh, and have to prepare for the apocalypse. It's kind of like if the satanic panic like really happened, mm-hmm. right? But they filmed during COVID, and it's a small feature mm-hmm. with a very small cast, mostly two people on screen, but right. occasionally three. Like, very rarely more than three. So when covid affects a movie like that and forces them to be creative i think then it's interesting but also my favorite piece of covid media that's come out is mythic quest yeah they they did that so well Mm -hmm. and even though it was like through zoom and was quote-unquote about covid it wasn't about COVID. And I think that's why it succeeded so well. Right. Also, the performances from Poppy and uh, I, I always want to call him Mac. And yeah, that's not Bob his name. Macalini. Yeah. What's his character's name on, on Mythic Quest? Ian? Ian? E- Ian. Yes, it's Ian. <laughs> I love that show. It's, it's so good. I, uh, I, I feel like there's there's a dwindling few hangout workplace sitcoms and like that and Abbott Elementary are really holding the torch right uh-huh. and I feel like the It's Always Sunny guys have had to constantly be innovative with low budgets because that's where they came from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that's how it started until they got Dan DeVito yeah exactly I mean like the from the origins of the show where they shot it themselves to those first couple seasons where it is really scrappy yeah and uh, there's the, i think you get a lot of that spirit in those in these covid movies that have been popping up because they are uh much smaller i mean hopefully you haven't seen the bubble i was gonna bring up the bubble you, yeah i mean uh, it seems like a lot of these productions are bubbles uh beyond the infinite two minutes definitely feels like it was at least some sort of bubble given how how few people seemed on that set um but it's it i think the thing is about when you when you are limited like that it forces people to be creative it forces right. filmmakers to try and work up against those boundaries i don't know if you saw or were a fan of the white lotus i mean it's yeah. not 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 necessarily the best show but it's a really good show and i'm in pretty incredible considering how fast he turned that around yeah you know, and but I think it goes to show you, like he he had a circumstance where there were limited options available to him, and he decided to you know make the most of it and found a really interesting uh, setup enough that they're not going to do the second season of that yeah. show. So yeah, it it really is about like how you use the circumstances 
to, to you know do something unexpected yeah if you want to find us on the internet I am at bsilverio20 on Instagram and Twitter I'm at Zshevich on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, and I, I do a podcast called Intercut Pod. And you're on YouTube. Yeah, I do multiplex show on YouTube, and, and I do TikTok too, even though it's it's, oh. an, e- it's an evil program Look that's designed TikTok. to harvest all your data. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take some followers while, I, while we're at it. <laughs> you can find me at Indecisionist on Twitter and at The Indecisionist on Instagram. This has been an Indecisionist production. Special thanks to April Moralbo for our podcast art and to Marlon Longin of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. If you want to f- join in on the conversation... Use the hashtag time to party. That's time, the number two party. Uh, until our next episode where we take you down some timeline or two minutes into the future <laughs> or to an alternate universe, maybe, if you're lucky. Just remember one thing. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Ansel's going to have a lot to edit on that episode. (laughs) Hopefully fun stuff. Hopefully fun stuff. Yeah, we had a fun time.